Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. All right, let's get started. Thanks, everyone, for joining another episode of Conversations with Z and Vindesh. Today, we're talking about duty. Duty is the set of obligations that we have, and these are the things that we owe our family. It extends to career. We have a duty to ourselves. We have a duty to support others in familiar relationships, so our neighbors or friends And this topic came up, Z, because, as you often do, you were relating a story. And this story was about someone, a young man in your neighborhood, who applied for the police force. So as part of the application process, the police want to investigate this person. They run some background checks. They talk to all of the people in your neighborhood. And they want some people to stand up and vouch for the guy and say, hey, this is an upstanding citizen, or at least he's not some psychopath who's going to go crazy once we give him a firearm. And this young man came to you and he was very concerned. And he said, the police are asking all my neighbors questions about me, but they don't know me. I've never interacted with them. They don't know who I am. How are they supposed to vouch for me? And you kind of scratched your head and you said, well, haven't you been in this neighborhood for three years? Yes, I have. Well, in that three-year time, Haven't you introduced yourself to people? Ask them how they're doing. Ask them their names. Ask them about their families. Established some sort of basic rapport. And again, the answer was no. And it sparked this whole interesting conversation that we've been having on duty and what we owe ourselves and what we owe other people. I think part of this is a generational issue. So some of the common courtesies that we may have followed in the past, getting to know our neighbors, inquiring about their day. In the age of social media where we're all cut up in our cell phones and all communication happens through the internet, that's not something that occurs anymore. But it's still a duty that we have. And when we don't consider that duty, it has a personal cost. So in this particular case, this young man may not get the job in the police force because no one knows who the hell he is. So Z, let's talk about this concept of duty. Can you expand on this a little bit Talk about what duty means and why it's still relevant and important, even in this day and age. Sure, Vin. Um, As we talk often, um, and we'll cover this over and over as we move forward, words are very powerful. Titles, labels, words are very powerful. And they are malleable, and they are modified over generations and even within generations. The term duty has taken on a very negative connotation as if you, well, I don't want to be forced to do anything. It's not my job. Uh, I I don't have any duties. People are proud to say that I'm a person free of duties Um, because they don't understand. I think the vast majority of people don't understand what that means. The greatest duty that we have is to ourselves. And what I mean by that is you are the steward of your own life and destiny to a large degree. And that is part of the sanctions of freedom, is that you have duties. 
the duty to be healthy and well requires a commitment consistently, diligently, being aware and sincere. It doesn't say it has to be fun. It doesn't say it has to be um, uh, fitting of your schedule. But if you want your life to be a certain way, there are certain duties one must fulfill. And these are to yourself, which is the most difficult taskmaster and the most strict taskmaster you may ever have. Because whatever you do for yourself or to yourself will be directly reflected in the immediacy of that moment. So if you your duty is to be healthy, to be well, there are certain rituals, there are certain things that you have to do on a regular basis, check in, polish your boots, lace your shoes, brush your teeth, all those, and in exchange for that, you have the life that you wish to live. Yet we have heard that word and we feel angry about it. Well, it's not my job. As I told this young man, I pulled him to the side and I said, extending common courtesies to people that seemingly have no benefit to you is one of the greatest things you could do towards reaching your career hopes and desires. You want to be a cop. You want to uh, be armed and have the power over life and death to be able to be the judge, jury, and executioner, to theoretically be the front line of civility, yet you haven't acted in a civilized way. You haven't fulfilled your duties as a citizen. Because so it, it, you, you, you didn't value courtesy <clears throat> because you didn't feel it was your duty. You, you didn't see any use for those people. But now they hold in their hand the key to your future. And you can reflect upon and say, wow, had I just spoke, had I just said, how's your day? What do you think about the weather? Well, how did the 49ers do? You don't have to like them or be in love with them, but is that, isn't that the world you want to create? Because you're saying that you want to protect that world. What is the world that you want to protect? So when we think about duty, it's a duty to us and the world we live in and who we want to be, who we'd like to be. Um, that's our duty. We have a young man who wants to be healthy and he emotionally eats. And I said, so your duty to you is consistency in your rituals of fasting, your rituals of exercise. And so every few days while he's doing his, his routine that we've established for him, He'll say to me, should I do this or should I do that or more of these or less of those? I said, no, I need you for 90 days to simply walk the perimeter. You're on guard duty. It all is quiet on the Eastern Front, but we want to be diligent. We want to fulfill our duty to guard, observe, secure our perimeter. You see how mundane duty can be? But the reward of that for him will be that consistent effort, that gradual walking up the hill. It means that at some time he will hit the peak 
he'll reach, reach that precedent. And he'll say, okay, I'm on top now. But it's one dutiful step at a time. Not a, a step and a dance. Not a step and a hop. Not a step and a spin or a pirouette. It's simply a step at a time. And he will achieve great things fulfilling his duty. Because duty is something you do mindfully. It's not something you do dogmatically, ignorantly, or in the dark. That you're very aware of your stillness of duty, your continuum of duty. In relationships, modern people hate to hear the idea when a couple comes together and they make their couple commitment. What do you want from me and what do I want from you? Then after the I wants are spread out, in order to fulfill the I wants, you have to, each individual has to take upon themselves a duty. My duty to maintain the harmony of the relationship is to do my role. My duty as a father, as a husband, is to stay in good health, provide protection for my wife and children, allowing them a safe environment to flourish. It is my duty to listen and to be present. It is my duty to work hard and provide for them a roof over their head and food in their bellies. It is my duty in exchange for that. I have a wonderful, joyful life. That is my duty. And I do it when I'm in the mood. I do it when I'm not in the mood. I do it when it's hot. I do it when it's cold. That is my duty. Duty has nothing to do with the temperament of the moment. A young woman <clears throat> was complaining in her relationship that her husband wanted to have um, intimate relationships, sex, on a regular basis. And they got in a heated argument. He said, well, it's your duty. She came to me just in anger. It's not my duty. If I wasn't in the mood, and here's the problem with that. It is your duty. This is horribly shocking to people. It is maintenance. It is your duty every 5,000 miles to change the oil on your car. You don't have to do it. You honestly don't have to change the oil on your car every 5,000 miles. But that car won't last. It is your duty, if you enjoy that car and the freedom it offers you, is to change the oil. If you're in a relationship and that makes your partner a bit more comfortable, it reduces the stress in the house. It, 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 it introduces good energy. It complements all your hopes and wishes. Damn it, change the oil. Or it won't last. It'll introduce problems and stress. Starts to break down. Arguments will arise. Tensions flare. The burden becomes greater and greater and pushes you further and further away from where you want. Simply because you don't fulfill your re that part of your relationship duties because you've confused them with the social politics or you've confused them with power and control and right or wrong. That has nothing to do with duty. It goes deeper than that. You have a job, whether you hate it or like it, you made your word to your employer to do certain things in exchange for a paycheck every two weeks. Do your job. That's your duty. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it. If it is untenable, unbearable, 
then find another job. Or if your duty to your family requires you to endure a bit more, then joyfully endure what you go through for your family. Walk on those coals and sprint across them as not to get burnt, but fulfill your duty, suffer a bit, so you can have greater pleasure. That is your duty. It's that simple. But we have made it seem only negative because from fulfilling duties, you can see from just what we're sharing, you get a lot out of that. When that young lady simply took the time out to be intimate with the person she had declared her love for and got out of the mood concept, it elevated the whole family. And eventually, like any person who is involved in, in their arts or craft or hobby, you get used to it. It got good. It got better. And by fulfilling your duty, it's the military man. They look a certain time a person looks forward to their time on post. They can schedule their life. People love the routine. Nature loves routines. It loves the seasons. The cold one, the warm one the semi-arid one, all these seasons. It is nature fulfilling its duty to creation. So too, we as people can adapt this definition of duty to better our health physically, emotionally. Your duty is to work on your emotions, manage them, adjust them, uh, stabilize them. Manage your intellect, read a book, open your mind, venture out of your comfort zone, then back into it. And each time you expand your horizons and from following that as a duty, you maintain a greater level of intellectual and mental health. Your duty to your partner is to nurture the things that brought you together. The duty to friends, I call my friends all the time and I always finish with I love you. I mean, Kaylin is sitting here, has heard me talk to my friends. Uh, we talk in a, in a rough manner. But I always openly announce to them, I love you. It is my duty because they bring to me so much in my life. And life, it is so unpredictable and short. So in any time of grief, if, if, if fate takes them away from me, I have fulfilled the duty so that will not be a vacuum in my heart that I did not give all I could in that portion of me. So that is the duty I'm talking about, Vin. You follow me? Yeah, see, I think I follow most of you. I, I, I got to admit, while you were talking, I stepped out for a second and went to get my oil changed. And now I feel really good, so I'm good to go. So sorry about that. <laughs> so there are so many interesting things that you said. Number one, the way that you're talking about duty and the way that people view duty, the idea that you can get something for nothing, that, oh, wow, or sorry, oh, why should I be doing this? Why should I extend myself? Why should I say hi to people I don't know? It becomes a form of entitlement, and this is something that we've talked about in the past, this idea that you're living in this vacuum, or even worse than that, that other people exist to serve you, regardless of what you provide and what value you create. And it's really a false narrative. 
We talk about malthought. We talk about false narratives. This idea that you should be loved just for you, that other people should accommodate you. I think about relationships, and if you look at some of the behavior that I see in my relationship sometimes, or relationships of those around me, you've got, as you're saying, a lack of intimacy, number one. Number two, you've got people on the phone all the time, so you can't even have a conversation. Three, you become a vehicle to hear that person's complaints, and you're just getting the download of everything that went wrong with their day and all the frustrations that they encountered. And after a while, you're thinking, what the hell am I doing? Why, why do I need this? Uh, what value is this creating? And sure, maybe you can stick it out for a while, but that's not a healthy, sustainable relationship. That's something that ultimately is going to lead to resentment. It's going to lead to stress. So I like the way that you've framed duty and you've tied it very closely to purpose. And I thought it was interesting. We were talking a bit before we kicked off the conversation about how in the military, if the sergeant comes up to you and says, what's your job, and you have no purpose, then you're kicked out or you're given the worst job. So it's always important to know what we're doing in this life. What do we want out of our job? What do we want out of our relationships? What are the things we're trying to achieve? And if we're clear on that, then duty doesn't become such a burden. It's more a means to an end. Yes, there might be things that we do. Maybe we're tired. Maybe one day we're just not up for putting in the effort. But we're motivated because we know that ultimately, if we're kind to other people, that's going to further our own objectives. If we do the right things for our family, if we stick it out in a job that we don't love, we're providing for our family. We're building for their future. And it becomes inseparable. It's all part of a greater whole. And if you really believe in that whole and that vision, then you stop thinking about it as duty. It's just what you do. It's what you're here for. It's really the purpose that you're on this earth to fulfill. So it's a bit of a different perspective than the entitled perspective, which is to say, oh, why should I put myself out? Why should I have to extend myself? It's more, what am I trying to achieve and what do I need to do to get there? So Z, if I've characterized that properly, where have we gone wrong? Why do we look at duty? And if you look at the Vedas, for example, duty is something that's fundamental. There's a concept called dharma, which is your duty, which is you just do what you have to do. And you do it with love and you do it with devotion you give the results away. You don't even expect any reward. And ultimately, you gain your freedom. You gain your enlightenment through that process. So it's a very noble thing. But we've taken that nobility, that intrinsic aspect of life, and we've turned it into something which is just a burden, which is almost like a rock that's weighing us down or a weight around our ankle. How did this happen? As you said earlier, Vin, I believe what happened is the nurturing of entitlement on every level, the the mal-narrative of that, it, it's changed, in, and even in my lifetime, in the six-plus decades I've been on this earth and I've observed. As a young man, I remember going into a martial arts class and the master would say, yeah, you're, you're good, you're, you, you're doing good. It'll probably only take you 20 years to get your black belt. I want you to work on this technique and you're going to do it 500 times every day, five days a week. And I need you to mark down how many times you've practiced that technique. And when you've reached the 10,000th time, I want to evaluate you. 
And we excitedly did that. Fast forward so many years, I struggle with students all the time and I'll show them a technique and they'll come back to me and say, I think I have it down. I'm ready to try it out. Is there another thing I need to learn? Well, so how many times did you do it? Oh, I, I did it just the time you showed me. I worked on it just right when you showed me. And then I'll go back over the lesson again and there is no connection. So for that lesson, that technique to be part of the synthesis of that person, to be etched in their proprioceptive body, you have to do it many, many, many times. Time then becomes this relentless taskmaster that assigns duty in a, for a prescribed time so you can achieve that dharma, that freedom. People ask me often, Vin, you're in such good shape. You can work out. You, you run circles around us. And I was explaining to them, right now I'm not in that great a shape. I'm under a lot of stress reconfiguring the business with young children like everybody else. But because I surrendered to my duty at a certain period in my life, it provides for me a certain freedom from physical weakness. You see? But it was never pleasurable or, or displeasurable. It was never when I was in a good mood or bad mood. I made a commitment to show up and to invest my energy into something that I adored and I believed in even when I couldn't conceptualize it. I looked up at, at great people and saw what they did, the path they had trodden. Most people, we don't have that bhakti in our life, that sense of devotion, that example. We feel that, hey, it should just be mine. I should, should be able to get it. So there are many things that then cater to that. There are yoga studios that tell you, oh yeah, we have a, a two-month yoga teacher program. In two months, you can achieve what the great saints did in a lifetime. You could do it in two months for the right fee. And, and so we're used to that. We're used to instant health, instant this, instant that. But we created ourselves by a duty, by practicing a duty or absence of duty, we have created an undutiful body and self and mind. More loneliness, more anxiety, uh, people are aging faster. So we, we want to be very careful uh, when we see that observation. And, and, and it's not that we want to go backwards. We can never go backwards, but we can take from that what is, what is an indelible truth is that time is cooking us. Time, that clock will not stop ticking. And if you fulfill your duties in those quadrants of time, you will find freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from self-loathing, freedom from poor health, freedom from excessive want and desire. That's what they talked about. But nowadays, because we're so caught up into satisfaction, fulfilling transient desires, we have been misled. Um, we are misguided. So this relearning of the benefits of duty is very uh, valuable in, in all of us. And as you were talking, it raised some sentiments in my heart. I, I think about my grandfather, who, who died relatively young. And he was a very uh, powerful figure in, in, the, in my life. And I remember him working a lot. And sometimes he would fall asleep in his easy chair, doze off, take a nap. 
And he would pop up, and whenever there was an opportunity to do work and generate income resources for the family, he would do it. And I loved to tag along with him. He was like an action figure. He was stronger than most people that you would ever meet. Wise and smart beyond his years. Many years after his death, I asked my grandmother, I said, Mother, you're in this big house all alone. Do you ever get lonely? And she said, Baby, I dearly miss my husband. But he's left so much love for me in this house that every day I find it. He said, just this afternoon I was opening the cabinet that had been broken once and I noticed he had repaired it 20 years later. He has left me in a position where I want for nothing. I want for nothing. Every bill that comes to me has already been paid. Every fixture in this house has been reinforced and repaired, as if he were still here. His duty, and he worked his ass off, was for his family, because I would see the man tired beyond tired, working till can't see in the morning, till can't see at night, as they say, and never once complaining to us. And we had everything we needed in the harshest of times. That's duty. And he gave him freedom. So when he left this world, he did not leave us. He left us better. And that's what he wanted to do. That was his mission. And he fulfilled his duty to accomplish that mission. And there are many different missions that people have. And within there, there are duties within that, 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 that model or that mission-fulfilling uh, model. So, yeah, we, we have lost that connection to duty because it sounds too much like responsibility, too much like restriction, too much like unentitled. Too much like, I have to earn it. So we've abandoned it. A lot of us have abandoned duty. And it is only the person who abandons duty that will suffer. You talk about freedom, and I think this is a really interesting topic. And here is where I think we get things wrong. We actually come to a conclusion that is on its head. Uh, we conclude the exact opposite of reality. So when a lot of people think about freedom or you think about our cultural models for what it means to be free, it's let me make fuck you money. I can have so much money. I can buy whatever I want. I can tell people whatever. I can force them to obey my wishes. It's let me be able to go through life living in absolute luxury, not having to do anything, being waited on, hand and foot. And that's the pop culture version of freedom. If you go back to the real version of freedom, you look at the great philosophies, the Eastern thinking, freedom is all about freedom from attachment, from desire, from the mind pulling you in a thousand different directions. And to get that freedom, it's exactly what you said, Z. 
you've got to commit to something. You've got to commit to a purpose or a mission that's bigger than yourself and decide what it is that you're here to achieve. And then whatever you do isn't about you. You become less important. You fade into the background through that daily process of doing what you need to do, uh, fulfilling that mission, taking care of the family, being nice to your friends, investing in your health. That routine, the constant washing or polishing of yourself is what leads to the sense of freedom, to the sense that you can just go out and do these things effortlessly and you can live in a way that's effortless, that doesn't have as much friction when you're encountering other people. And beyond that, what really struck me about your story is the impact that you can have. The way you described your grandfather, it's incredible. I think about that impact, if I could have that, if I could live in a way that sets up my family for life, and not just my family, but the generations to come, what a wonderful feeling that would be. So there are incredible benefits to doing things which on the surface seem mundane and repetitive and don't have an immediate benefit, but they shape us and they refine us and they build our character. And the absence of that puts us in a very dark place. It means that we don't have a purpose. We don't know why we're here. So we walk around feeling lost. We feel insecure. We don't trust our own abilities because we've never committed to something. This is something that I've struggled with periodically. I've grown up in very fortunate circumstances. If I look at my dad, he embodies a lot of the characteristics that you talked about in your grandfather. He's tireless. He's selfless. So he's in his 70s now. He will do anything for the family, drive us anywhere, get anything, spend any amount of money to take care, not just of his family, but his extended family, his sister's family, relatives in India. Whatever he needs to do, he'll do it. He'll never complain. If he is tired, he'll never show that he's tired. And that built a certain character, built a certain resolve, or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the experience that he had coming to this country and being forced to put in the time and the effort because no one was giving him any money. He had to earn everything that he made. Maybe that created a certain character and created an ease with which he can now take through life. And a lot of things just don't bother him. I think I'm still working on that. And in the past, because of the sacrifices that he made, I've had a lot. I haven't had to worry about money the same way that he has. And as a result, at some points in my life, I haven't fully committed to what I've been doing. I've always known that there's a backstop, that there are other options. I felt maybe there's something better that I could be doing, maybe something that's more important. And it's like that story of the man who goes to dig a well, and he digs somewhere for 10 feet, and he doesn't find anything. And so he gives up, and he goes somewhere else, and then he digs for another 10 feet, and he finds nothing. And he does that seven or eight times throughout the day. And had he just stuck to the same place and done the same thing over and over, he would have hit 70 feet and the depth of the water was 50 feet. So you never achieve that reward. You never achieve the belief that you can cope with life, that you can find a way to work through situations that you will be okay unless you put in that time and put in that effort. So psychologically, I think there are tremendous advantages to being mindful of your duty, not just being mindful of it, but to your point, Z, really considering what you want to achieve and then what are the steps to get there. And once you know those steps, it becomes a game of execution. Can I systematically execute? Can I get better and better, more and more efficient? 
And as I do that, I'll achieve more, I'll produce more, and it's just a lot easier to go through life. You're absolutely right. And, and again, you inspire me um, endlessly when we talk. Things were coming in my head, and I thought about what can we do to uh, create these duty models in our life. And I, and I just had an image of those elements. So, for one, you need a mission, a vision. And once you have that vision, what is our mission? What is our purpose? What is my purpose, your purpose? Then we say, okay, here are the duties to fulfill that mission of purpose. And then the taskmaster is time. You know that time is constantly moving us, constantly whittling away at us, constantly prodding us and pushing us forward. So you respect that time, you honor time, and you fulfill your duty in the stages and the seasons of time. Leave enough time in your day that you can do things. I just came back from taking my little one to his, uh, one of his uh, school things, his PT things. And then I was in a crunch for time to get here, left here to get here. And uh, I just took a breath and I looked at the time and I said, I'm going to walk with him for 30 minutes. And him and I just walked and talked for 30 minutes after his class. And I made it here with one minute to spare. I was honoring time, and I was fulfilling my duty. And I think sometimes at the end of my day, I can't help but smile when I look in that baby's face and the way he greets me. And 30 minutes for him was a whole day for us. So he got to spend a day with his Baba, his dad. And I felt like the best person in the world. I washed away all my ill will, bad deeds, all my sins. Just walking and watching and picturing my little boy looking at me and seeing the eyes of my ancestors and his ancestors. And looking in his eyes and seeing, getting a vision of the world that I will never see. If everything works out, I will never see the world he will see. And I got to see it in his eyes, the wonders of the world, simply by fulfilling my duty as a dad. So people can look at what is it that I want to do? What is my mission? What the hell am I doing here on this earth? Then note that. And then what are the duties in order for me to fulfill my purpose? And how much time do I have to do it in? and all the different players that come to your life. You need so many minutes a week to call your mom and check in on her or your elders. You need so much time in a day or a month or a week, set it aside to call your dear friends that you love that return that love to you and it's the best investment you'll ever have is people that love you. That's the best retirement package you'll ever have is loving people. As you talk to old people and People who fear aging, one of the things they fear is dying, living a long period of their elderly life alone and with no friends. They used to have a horrible commercial about a woman that slipped and fell, and she said she's trying to call 911. She said, I fall down, I can't get up. 
I fell down, I can't get up. I know people that are so loved and they put so much of their duty into checking on people. There's always people around. My grandmother outlived her husband by an additional 20 years or so, 25 years. And when she died, she was surrounded by people. She was begging them to get the hell away from her and give her space because she was so well-loved and he had established so much love. She was never alone. She didn't need Social Security. She didn't need Medicare, Medi-Cal, Medicaid, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. She had so many caregivers around because of the currency of her dutifulness to them. So we can all first do a statement of personal purpose. What do I do in my life? What the hell am I doing here? And it may be a number of things. It may be a number of things that are part of your life duty description, your life purpose description. And then each of those purposes will have duties associated with them. And with each one of those, there's a limited amount of time based on the relentless nature of time. And you can all figure it out. You know if you're a parent, you divide your time amongst however many kids you have. It's a simple equation. And you give them each a proportion of time. It could be all at once or it could be in big lumps, but you maybe proportion out by, by the week or by the month. If you're a, a, an offspring of someone and you feel a sense of devotion and love to your parents, you feel gratitude to them, then let that be part of your life purpose. As I say all the time, Ben, we're not as interesting as we think we are. We're just not that interesting. Seven billion people, ten different stories. Different per certain, certain tribes. If you've got people in your life that love you, take a minute out and just check in with them. Hey, just like you and I do, we call every now and then. Hey, man, what's up? Got an idea I want to run by you. Got a feeling. That, that's, that's your check-in, right? That's how we do it. Because what the hell are we here for then? And you fulfill that duty and that endears you to that person. That extends your life. That enriches your life. That fortifies the constitution of your being. That expands the radiance of your soul. So it's a win-win proposition by fulfilling duty. I call my master on a regular basis, whether he answers or not, and leave him as a say, sir, I'm just thinking about you. Because every time someone compliments me, I have to pay him. I have to pay him a debt of gratitude. That's the fee I owe him. Because every time I get a compliment, that's not me, they're complimenting complimenting me, my master, my master's master. And it's just like if you play someone else's music, you owe them royalties. Your duty is to pay your royalties. So you check in with your parents. You check in with the people you love. If you're in a relationship, why in the hell did you get there? How did you get there? Because you like the person. He was handsome to you or he was cute to her. Well, then it's your duty to maintain. Hit that gym every now and then. Keep up with that. Listen to them even when they're annoying. Go, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, sure, wow, that's exciting. Really, she said that? Wow, that's great. Don't say shut the fuck up. 
It's not interesting. I'm watching the news. Do you hear about Trump? Don't do that. Listen. That's your duty. And what does it give you in return? A harmonious house. Right? Person stressed out. You want to relieve the stress in the house. Nothing like some good loving and a good meal. Real simple. Oh, I don't feel like, I don't feel like cooking. Well, order a damn pizza. Oh, I don't feel like having sex. Well, do something to him. Or her. Make them think you're there. What do you get out of that? You got a nice house. You got a wonderful, you got stability in your life. It's your duty. Fulfill your duty and it gives back to you tenfold. You follow me, Ben? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You ask what it does. My wife has some really strong forearms at this point. It's the uh, the pride of her friend group. That's great. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Mutual benefit. That's right. Get get in shape. She got her in shape. You see that? Yes. There you go. So I think that you never want to be in a situation where you're wondering, what the hell am I doing here? I mean, when we talk about duty, I think it's interesting because – we live in a time where so many people feel lost. They feel like they have no meaning. They feel like they have no connection to others. But if you're marching along a certain path, if you're embracing some sense of purpose, if you're investing in the people around you and your family, you automatically get that sense that you matter. You get to the end of the day, and even if you don't have a big trophy to show for it, you know that you're steadily walking that path and you're making progress and you're doing the shit that you need to do, whether it's advancing in your career by a small amount, whether it's helping your children prepare for school and prepare for a test. You can feel like, okay, I did something today and I matter. I matter to this world. There's a reason that I'm here. And I think that's very important. I mean, I think that becomes extremely grounding and without that, we end up in a spiral. Uh, we end up just questioning ourselves. We start living in our mind. We go into depression. We become even more isolated. Uh, so this idea of duty, uh, of I think of it as a small, steady series of accomplishments, really keeps us in the game. And in a way, it keeps us relevant. One thing that would be useful for you to comment on, we've talked about defining what you want to do in the different areas of your life and then understanding what your duties are. One trap that I've seen people fall into is that they become single-minded. So they become all about the career, and then everything else takes a back seat. Or they become all about family, and they're investing a tremendous amount of time with their kids, with their success, their failure, their needs, and maybe their relationship takes a back seat, or some other part of themselves is unfulfilled. How do you think about the need for balance versus the need to really focus on something and excel in a particular area. Well, I used that same analogy of the the sentry walking a perimeter. And as that sentry walks the perimeter, there are a number of areas that, that should be checked on. There are certain areas of vulnerability to that perimeter, and each of those need to be tended to and possibly in, in a unique way. And our life is like that 
uh, that area of, of, of guard, that perimeter, that section that has different terrain, different landscape, different vantage points, uh, different points of entry and exit, different needs in terms of the sentry's ability to fulfill their duty in guarding the perimeter. So if we were looking at in guarding the perimeter of our life, you look at the different elements that make up your life. One of the elements is family, and there's a way that you walk that perimeter. Another part of that is your life, uh, your career, right? That's one. There's another way that you walk the perimeter of your career. There's your individual self, because if you don't tend to yourself, you can't do the other things. You won't be good. If the, if the sentry doesn't feed himself, wear the right clothing, the right shoes, he can't fulfill his duty. If he doesn't have time to himself to, uh, to live life, he, he loses the energy, falls into depression and physical despair. So we have to look at it like that, like there are many pieces that make life life. When you find a person who is immersed in one part of that perimeter, then there's, it invites in disharmony and dysfunction. You're obsessed with your career for the idea that it's going to benefit you in some other way later, and you've missed all the time with your kids. Your kids have grown up, and you never got to hang out with them. Like the old song, Cats in the Cradle, right? Where the, the guy keeps telling his son, we'll get together soon, we'll get together soon, and by the time he's an old man, the son is a grown-up that has no time for him. You tell your partner next week or in two weeks from now, I have time for you. Well, somebody else always has time for your partner. That's how affairs and things are come about. It isn't with malicious intent. It's just like nurturing and affection is like food. It's like having food. If you don't feed the person, if you don't feed the pet, the pet either starves to death or finds food elsewhere. So you have to take care of that perimeter. Um, so you look at the different perimeters, areas of your life, the, ge the geography of that perimeter, and tend to them in their particular ways with the taskmaster of time letting you know how much time you have to spend there. And you'll find that your life is very fulfilled and re rewarding. But when people make the mistake where they're only tending to one thing, that means bandits are invading in one area. If you're only guarding the, 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 the west side of the perimeter, then the northeast and the south side are, are, are being uh, breached on a regular basis. Thus you see it in the dysfunction of people's lives. They have a great career pursuits, but they're terribly lonely. I know many people who have worked really hard to be well off into their older years. I know a number of people. And their life they have no financial wants at all, but they don't want to be here anymore because the loneliness is like a slow death, they said. A number of them have described the loneliness as a slow death because they never took time out to develop that part of them that can nurture relationships. On the other hand, there are people who focus all solely on their kids, create a dysfunction in the house, the kids grow up and go about their business, and the person is feeling completely lost and abandoned and, uh, and out of place in the world because they no longer are hovering around their child. See? So, so, the, so the idea of function, dysfunction, harmony, and so forth is we have to be harmonious in the way we walk that perimeter. 
in the way we check on our post. And that's nice. So you check on yourself first. You check on your intimate partner, your kids, your career. That's it. And then it's a constant. Then you just keep walking the perimeter. That'll keep you busy all day, every day. You know, it's interesting as you were talking. I was thinking about this documentary I saw on Netflix. I've been watching documentaries about uh, powerlifting because uh, I've been into uh, weightlifting recently. And there was one called West Side Barbell where you had people who just went to insane lengths to become powerlifters. And they were lifting after surgery. Uh, they were lifting until the pressure, the internal pressure was so great that they would get nosebleeds. And this one guy who was in the documentary, he talked about his experience. And at the end of it, this guy was probably in his 60s. He said that his son had been a champion swimmer. So he was a phenomenal high school athlete. He was on his way to a great career in college and possibly thereafter. And he never once saw his son compete. And as he was reflecting on this, he said, all of my son's meets were on a Wednesday night. And Wednesday night was bench press night. And I swear to God, Z, I heard this. I just burst out laughing. I mean, it was simultaneously one of the funniest and saddest things. It's tragic. It's tragic. Yeah, but it's ridiculous. I mean, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that I was laughing. But at the same time, this is reality. This actually happens to people when you lose that perspective and you ignore your duty in one area and you just focus so intensely somewhere else. So I, I like the way that you've put it in the past. I think you've also said something like, don't be 100% at anything. Be 90%. Make sure you have enough left over so that you can create some harmony across the different parts of your life. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and people forget that. And because if you're doing your duty and you're moving around, you can be flexible, fluid. You can be magnanimous and forgiving. You can grow and evolve. Uh, when you don't do that, there's no room for evolution. As you said that about the bodybuilder missing out on his child's life that will be traumatic for the rest of the child's life and generations to come. I think about a client I had years ago who um, didn't get sleep and is working with her and she was her health was declining, giving her ideas about sleep and doing different types of treatments and so forth to help calm her down. I said, well, what, what do you think is the reason? Why don't you sleep? She says, well, I'll go to sleep and my husband and I, we usually fight every night. We have fights every night for about three or four hours. Now, this woman at the time was in her early to mid-70s, had been married for about 40 years, she told me, 40-something years, maybe 45 years, married at 20-something, 24, 25. And as she got to know me, I said, wow, that's, that's weird. And I saw the husband. He just looked like a, a broken man on his, on his last days. Every time you saw him, he just looked like he couldn't make it through the next night. They were both exhausted. And, and, and I said, wow, what do you guys fight about? She said, well, he cheated on me. I said, really, that broken down man who looks like he just escaped from a convalescent hospital? said, yeah, he, he cheated on me in 72 with my neighbor. I said, in 72? Well, why didn't you divorce? Well, we worked it out. But every 
but it just bothers me sometime when I'm lying down next to him at night. But I said, wow, that, that, that takes a tremendous toll on everybody. I said, well, yeah, he's had cancer a couple of times. They say it was stress-induced. And I'm thinking to myself, and you know, in this position, you can never tell people to just get a divorce or anything. You never say that to anybody. Just, my God. That's a loss of sense of mission, purpose, and duty. So her duty was to make him suffer every night from 11 to 2 in the morning for something that happened in 1972. So for the few minutes or whatever he got a pleasure, he feels he deserves to suffer from it for 40 plus years. Is that amazing? It's incredible. It's such a loss of perspective. But you see this happen. You see it in divorce cases where people are just so angry that they want to burn the other person down. No sense of duty, man. No sense of duty. Yeah, it destroys the family. The kids get psychological problems. All the money goes to the lawyers, so no one benefits. Uh, But you're right. You're neglecting your duty. You're neglecting your purpose. You're really losing that self-awareness. That's probably another component of what we're talking about. We talk about uh, this whole podcast is the dispassionate observer. And the idea is that you need to be able to step away from yourself, from all the turmoil and the turbulence, and look at your life objectively. And just say, am I on track to do what I want to do? Does my purpose make sense? Does my mission make sense? And am I on my way to fulfilling it? And it doesn't mean that it's permanent. It could be fluid. You could shift direction. Uh, but just having that awareness and that ability to, uh, to appropriately assess your life, I think, is very important. That's right. That's right. So I would say kind of in wrapping up that a way to develop – your duty diagram is to first do a statement of purpose, look at the task they're required to fulfill that purpose, which is duty, and then wrap that up in the constraints of time. Give a little time to different different elements of that imagegram, ideogram of life, and go out and do what you got to do. Amen, brother. Duty's part of life. It is life. Yeah, a small series of tasks that take us forward. That's right. That's right. Check in with those that count. <laughs> so we've talked about this concept of duty, and I think what I hope we've been able to do in this discussion is to reframe the notion of duty so that folks can stop thinking of it as a burden or an imposition and start thinking of it as something that's integral to life, that's really life itself. If we don't have a clear purpose, if we're not advancing towards that purpose, what does it even mean that we're here? And duty is the mechanism that takes us from where we are today to what we ultimately want to achieve. If we start thinking of it that way, it becomes a lot more palatable. And even though we might be tired, we might not be in the mood to do certain things, that purpose keeps us focused. It's like our North Star, and it keeps us moving forward. If you enjoyed the show please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.